0: Yeah, last week, preached on prayer as part of our Disciples series. And so going through the Lord's Prayer oops, um, during this, uh, this sort of next eight weeks uh, is—thank you, bud—is is, um, going to help us just kick the ball a little further downfield. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Who can remember how um, we started last week's uh, message on uh, r- praying? A little song, hey? yeah, there was a song indeed, yeah, it goes something like this: Read your Bible and pray every day, and you will grow, grow, yes, because if you don't, you will shrink, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And so yes, I think uh, we can't talk about discipleship. Uh, what it means to follow Jesus and not consider just the basic building blocks of what it means to be a a follower of Jesus is we spend time reading the scriptures and praying. We looked at prayer last week and I did mention there's quite a bit of overlap between prayer and the word because the word gives us curriculum or content to pray as we'll see even in the eight-week course that we go through the Lord's Prayer uh, together. Um, And so, yes, it's not, it's, you know, when we pray, we find ourselves turning to the Scriptures, and when we turn to the Scriptures, we find ourselves praying the Scriptures. So there are, there's a major overlap, and so today I'm going to be looking at the Scriptures, reading your Bible. And I want to kick off with um, Colossians 3.16. This is the Scriptures encouraging us to be full of the Scriptures. Okay, So it says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So it, it, it shows me first of all here that when we allow God's word to dwell in us richly, first of all we have to think about it. So there can be an opposite to that. What is the opposite of rich? And what is you know when something is done poorly, you, you, it can either be done badly or skimpily. Is that a word? It is now. All right, you could be stingy. And that wouldn't be being richly. You could hold back. You could have less of or less than enough of. And so when it encourages us as believers to actually have the word of Christ in us, dwell in us, that's another great way of describing it. Not just sit stationary in you, but dwell in you. That It's, it's moving. It's active. It's, it's working in us. And not just simply, but richly. And and as we as the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, it says, we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. A byproduct of having the Word of God dwell in us richly is that we find ourselves even singing psalms, you know the songbook in the Bible that David penned most of, but even Moses and some of david's servants uh, uh, David's um, leaders, they, they they wrote this beautiful book of praise where they wore their hearts on their sleeve, all right? They were honest about their emotions. The Bible's full of that. It's so great that if the Word of Christ dwells in us richly, we actually often, we have ways where we could make sense of our emotions as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. This is a byproduct of having the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. Psalm 119, verse 11. It's a long psalm. I just want to bring one verse out, all right? it's verse 11 it's and he writes there i have stored up your word in my heart that i might not sin against you again this is what the bible instructs us to do with itself that we would store up the word of god and in other words there should be when we when we save we often save the excess right when we store something up we have something, and then there's a little left over, and we put it aside, right? We're the squirrels. We, we store up in the sides of our cheeks. We should be like that with the Word of God. There, there should be excess Word in our lives. Not, it shouldn't be a case of like, isn't there a verse, you know, like, God helps those who help themselves? Like, you know what the, what the good book says? That, that's not in the Bible, by the way. Maybe you're sitting here going, mm, yeah, preach. No, no, no. That's not in the scriptures. God actually doesn't help those who help themselves. The gospel is God helps those who cannot help themselves. That's why Jesus came. You can't help yourself. So, so if the word doesn't dwell in you richly and you do not store it up, you might live off the fumes of what the culture might say the word of God is. And it's not going to help you. It says when you store up the word in your heart, that helps you to not sin against the Lord. You know what would bring God pleasure. You know what God expects from us and from you when it's stored up in our, in our hearts. And we can definitely say that this was true of Jesus. Again, this is a, book, a sermon about following Jesus as being disciples of him. We looked to Jesus, and Jesus knew his scriptures. He knew the Bible. When Jesus was 12 years old, he was in the temple asking questions Answering questions, they were amazed at his knowledge of the Scriptures. In his darkest moments, Jesus quotes the Bible. Jesus quotes the Scriptures. When he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan himself. The last time that happened was in the Garden of Eden when the first Adam messed up. He actually didn't quote God's Word. He actually didn't and Eve did not hold on to, there was no excess of the word, it was like a, it was like, yeah, didn't God say, it was like doubting, yeah, he kind of, she twisted a little bit, Jesus didn't fail the test, when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he quotes scripture, every single time, and and when Satan tries to twist scripture, he corrects him with scripture, in his darkest moments, hungry, fasting for 40 years, and, and Satan is 40 years, 40 days, it wasn't years, okay, he quotes the scriptures. When he hangs on the cross, when he's being tortured, when he's bleeding out for you and me, he, he quotes Psalm 22. He, he is full of God's word. And, and what do you and I do when we find ourselves in distress? What's the first thing that often comes out of our mouths? Hey, when we find ourselves in dark thing, uh, moments, desperate, depressed, anxious, when we get squeezed, you know when you squeeze a toothpaste, what comes out? Toothpaste. It should be. So, so what, what did you put in? When you get squeezed out, does the Word of God come out of you? Is there an excess? Have you stored up God's Word? Or when you get squeezed, all sorts of other words comes out. Hey, I don't want you to hear right now. But I've been there. I know what the dry seasons, so when actually my default setting is not to ooze the Scriptures, when I'm put under pressure, when my tube gets squeezed. Unfortunately, it's not always God's Word that comes out. And yet we see that with Jesus, that He would even pray for His enemies in that moment. He's filled with God's Word. And so I want to just share five points with you tonight. They all begin with an F, okay? and the first one about God's Word is that God's Word is food. The reason why we're encouraged to read it and to store it up and to have it dwell in us richly is because it is food. Matthew 4, verse 4, this is Jesus, again, quoting the Old Testament, but His Word is God's Word, and in verse 4, in chapter 4 of Matthew, He says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, God's word is food, because we know bread is, is, bread is the um, catch-all for food, you know, bread and water, the essentials, bread and butter, when we obviously say, it's my bread and butter, it is referring to food, man shall not live by bread alone, you won't just eat physical food, but actually, you also need to be nourished by the word of God, and just like food is daily consumed, should be, so should God's word be daily consumed, that's the conclusion I come to. You know, I find that the more I exercise, the more I run. Sorry, warning, running analogy is coming your way. It's my life at the moment. It's all I do is I just run and sleep and eat. That's my point I'm trying to make. The more I train, the longer and the further I run. You can ask my wife. I am like a locust in my house. I just eat. I just, it just Because when we spend, like our body's like, hello. I, I need to be. You need to replenish, and and that's what life's like, right? Life's hard. You face some uphills. You face some marathons, some difficulties. What are you doing? To put back? Where where do you run to? We had this conversation with some of our kids, uh, and you know they're like, one of my kids. Am I gonna say who? But it's like, yeah, you know, I, I think I think I go to YouTube Shorts. I know I shouldn't. Maybe it's the, it's the for you page on TikTok. Or it's just the reels on Instagram, or the stories on Facebook. I mean, I don't know, but it's like those those things where you just I'm just gonna I'm just feeling a little down. I just want to you know, scroll, you know, through some what What's it What's it doing What's it doing for you? Actually, we need to go to food. And when life takes it out of us, Jesus is saying you won't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy eight is why, why he quotes this, or where it comes from. And uh, verse 3 is what it says there. And he humbled you, this is God, humbled Israel, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Okay, so let's just stop here a little bit. We give a little bit of context. So that this can make sense to us. If you're a Christian and you have read the Bible, if, or maybe you have not a Christian, you've read at least the Old Testament or you know of this term manna, manna from heaven. And you know, often it's a, it's a cultural term and we say, oh, this is delicious. It's like manna from heaven. It's like, where did this come from? It's amazing. Actually, it comes from the scriptures. It's how God fed Israel in the wilderness when they were in, in, in dry places and they, they, it wasn't quite uh, as 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 flush as it was in the days when they were in Egypt, even though they were in slavery, they were, you know, longing for the food that they at least ate there. Then God heard their cry, and he provided them every morning with manna. It was this substance. Manna actually means, what is it? Nobody, it was like with this thing. It just fell out the sky. It tasted great, like a bit of honey and coriander seeds, or help me, you know, anyway. It was, it was, it was this flaky substance that they collected. And they had to collect it every day. They couldn't store up some for tomorrow because whatever they had stored up, tried to store up, was rotten the next day. Every day they had to get it. And, and, and Moses writes in De- Deuteronomy that actually God humbled Israel and he wanted them to be hungry. And then he wanted to feed them. So they can't say, "Oh, we fed ourselves. He wanted to feed them miraculously with bread from heaven. And it says he, he wanted them to do that so they, they might know that they're not supposed to just live off of bread, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And he was looking ahead to what was about to happen. They were about to have the Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Bible, which Moses wrote most of. Moses didn't write the bit about his death because he was dead. Someone added that too, but but... They were about to compile all of the writings, you know, as they were into, into the Pentateuch, into the first five books. They were about to get that. And God said, that was an object lesson. You getting bread in the desert because you need to eat is preparing you for what you are supposed to do with the scriptures I'm about to give you. This is, this is God's word. I gave you manna so you would learn that you must live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Isn't it fascinating? That's the illustration. That's how important the Word of God is. And so it brings us to our second point, fit. When you consume good food, God's food, you find yourself fit as a Christian, as a believer. This is what Psalm 1 says, verses 1 to 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This is somebody who does not spend their primary time getting their cues from the culture, getting their cues from the world, winging life. This is is not a blessed man. No, the blessed man is someone at verse two that delights in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates, when? Day and night. Sounds like a meal habit there. It sounds like a meal routine. Meditates on God's law day and night. It goes on to say, He is the person who meditates on God's word and does not run to the culture. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. We don't plant chaff and expect a yield, right? No, we plant seeds. And actually when you put the word of God It says of itself that it's imperishable seed. You meditate on it day and night. It dwells in you richly. You you store it up. You find yourself like a tree that bears fruit in season, whose whose leaf does not wither in the winter because you're near the source, you're near the streams of God, and you prosper in what you do. You are fit. And so often we, we might want, you know, we want God to do things in and through us in our lives, but we never spend time in the Scriptures. But actually, if you want to have good character six months from now, if you want to be a better human being six months from now, the answer is that you read your Bible today. This is what 1 Peter 1 verse 23 says. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If you want to change as a person, you need to take God's word, which are like good seed sown into your life. And seeds don't grow overnight. And so there's a sense that you plant God's word. You meditate on it. And don't be surprised that if six months, 12 months later, you start to bear fruit. It's not fair to say, I'm reading it now and tomorrow I want to be changed. Look, the word of God is powerful and can bring about quick change. But that's also unrealistic. I love what, what it says here in, in Psalm 1. It says, it's a tree planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in season. Okay, what does that mean? There's some winter times. It's, un- it's unrealistic to expect fruit in the winter. It's realistic to not die as a tree because you're planted by the stream of water. And so when you put the Word of God in you consistently, day in and day out, you meditate on His Word, you start to bear fruit. It is botanical in nature. And it says here, it's also surgical. I don't know if that's the right word, but anyway, it's like a sword that does surgery on our hearts and our souls and discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Now, if the Bible is the sword... And if the, the, the word of God is like seed, well, who is the sower and who is the surgeon? Gloss? It's God, Jesus, the Sunday school, absolutely. Because God is in his word, and that's why we must receive his word. James 1.21 says, receive with meekness the implanted word with meekness. In other words, you don't put yourself over God's word, and that's often what can happen. We can crack open the Bible, and we go, right, professor, study mode. I'm going to pull the scriptures apart. I'm going to do surgery on the word of God. No, actually, you lie on the table, and you let God do surgery on you using his sword. That's, that's what it means to be meek, to sit under God's word. You let the Bible pick you apart. Let the Bible read you instead of you reading the Bible. That's, that's what the scriptures, that's how powerful it is. It's living and active. It is imperishable seed. Let it do its work in you and me, city gates. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Paul writes to Timothy about God's word. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Is it that evident? Thank you, my bro. (laughs) I should be like a tree planted by, (laughs) but I'm I'm parched. (laughs) Maybe I should take my jacket off. All Scripture is God-breathed and therefore profitable to be equipped for every good work, it says. Now, it says here that Scripture is breathed out by God in present tense. Not it was, because that is true. All Scripture is inspired by the Spirit. And so it's absolutely true. We are sitting here with the inspired word of God. It's actually quite profound that you can hold in your hand the very words of the creator of the universe, the very words of the one true God. Don't take this book for granted, friends. But it's not only inspired past tense by God as it was penned through human beings, as, as they were carried on by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit. It is also, it says, Being breathed out as you read it. All scripture is breathed out by God. Now, God is speaking to you in real time when you read the scriptures. It's not like you're reading about what God said. It's amazing. It's actually saying that, yes, God wrote it. He inspired it. But he actually reads it to you now by the spirit when you crack it open. That's what it means. It's being breathed out. It is living and active. God is speaking to you in real time as you read the scriptures that were penned thousands of years ago. That's an incredible thing. And so that's why it makes you fit because God is at that moment present, working, doing surgery on you, planting his seed in you so that you may bear fruit. Number three, it gives us faith. It gives us faith. But not just any faith, faith in Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.15, again, Paul writes to His uh, protege, you know, his disciple Timothy. And in verse 15 in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, he says, And how, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Bible code for scriptures. You were acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So this is where I want to make it a little narrower. Because everybody's sharing, yes, I must read my Bible and pray every day and I will grow, grow. But I I want you to not just go, okay, I've got the point and switch off right now. Because there's actually a way to read the Bible that does not lead to growth. So stick with me, okay? Tim Mackey says about this particular uh, verse, he kind of paraphrased it. He said, if this is true, that the sacred writings, that the scriptures make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus... Then he says the Old Testament in particular, because obviously the New Testament hadn't been compiled yet. So this is speaking specifically about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is messianic wisdom. Messiah just means Christ or the promised one or the anointed one, which is this Jesus. So the Old Testament is messianic wisdom literature that leads people to understand that they need to be rescued because that's why it says it makes you wise for salvation. So you you need to be saved. You need to be rescued by what someone else has done for you, and that someone else is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That is the point of the Scriptures. Okay, so I mean, I've said this before, as we kicked off the one series, when we journeyed through the Old Testament, the very first sermon, I was referring also to Tim Mackey, who asked this question, why on earth would English-speaking Canadians in 2023 be so committed and spend so much time to read an ancient piece of literature that was written 2,000 plus years ago and written in Hebrew and Aramaic and in Greek? Why on earth would modern people like you and I spend so much time to the extent where I'm frothing at the mouth here telling you you should read it every day like you eat food every day? Why? Why is that? Do you know any other friends who spend their like midweek times? They have the community group, small group, and they look at Egyptian hieroglyphics together, huh? Those people do exist, but they are in minority, I promise you. But why would ordinary Joes like you and I be so committed to this? Because it's actually not about this book, but it's about the person. It's about Jesus. Because Jesus, as we are disciples of Jesus, that's this series, following Jesus, listening to His Word, reading His words. Jesus connected everything that He said and did to that ancient collection of texts. He cherished it. And He assumed even that His readers knew much of it as He was quoting it. And so this is John chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking of the Scriptures, verse 39 to 40. He says this, You search the Scriptures... Because you think that in them, you have eternal life. And some of us go, oh yeah, stopped over there. Absolutely, read your Bible, pray every day. If you read your Bible, you will grow, you will be fit. you know. But Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. And it is that they, these scriptures, bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So he's saying, just reading your Bible doesn't mean you will discover life. It's reading your Bible knowing that the lens through which you must interpret it is that it bears witness about Jesus. You must read the Scriptures in order to come to Jesus. Don't read the Scriptures and go, I've done my job. Actually, don't refuse to come to Jesus as he said to those who read the Scriptures. Friends, the people with the best Bible-reading disciplines, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the scribes, they were the ones who crucified Jesus, Their Bible reading record is way better than yours, I promise you. So it's not just about reading, but how we read, why we read. You can read every day and not come to Jesus. And let me just say this the devil, Satan, will be very happy. Satan knew the scriptures. He used the Scriptures when he tempted Jesus. He's very happy for you to spend every day reading your Bible and not coming to Jesus. He'd be like, boom, that's still a win for him. So it's about Jesus. It's not that you eat the Scriptures, but what you eat, how you eat. John 6, verse 31 to 35, Jesus brings it back to the manna. Right? Remember I said the Bible is food. Jesus brings it back to that in John's chapter 6 verse 31 to 35. He says, "Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat." Jesus then said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven, and gives life to the world. So again, in that manna story, there's an object lesson that one day the true bread will come from heaven. Just like manna came from heaven, you didn't make the bread, you didn't come up with the food, God's going to come up with a solution. It, it set them up to recognize Jesus, the true bread that was coming into the world. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's why my encouragement to you was that what do you do when you find yourself hungry and thirsty and anxious and fearful and broken and empty? Where do you go? Go to the Word, not just because I've got to read my Bible. Go to the Word to find Jesus. Go to, to meet with Jesus. Come to Jesus in the Scriptures. And that's my fourth point, is the fire. There will be a fire when that happens. We're not going to read Luke chapter 24. I want to encourage you to do it yourself. Jesus, after he was resurrected, right, he is appearing to some of his disciples, and two of them are walking to Emmaus. He's on the road. And he actually opens up the scriptures and he shows them that the Bible is about him. He opened up the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, he was showing them you can't divorce the Old Testament from Jesus. Otherwise, it won't make sense. That's why we always start with Jesus and then we rewind back into the Old Testament. It will make sense because we have the hindsight, the, the benefit of Jesus having come. And he shows them it's about him. And you know what the scripture says? It says their hearts burned within them. How do you enjoy reading the Bible? Because listen, it's a big book and there are often very complicated and weird things. Is when you look for Jesus, your heart will burn. There'll be a fire in you. Because that is the point of the scriptures, is so that you would see Jesus clearly, so that you would run to Jesus And then lastly, number five, is that you share it with your friends. Because just like food is meant to be shared, and the scriptures encourage us to be hospitable, to eat with others, to extend friendship that way, it's the same way with the spiritual food. Don't just eat it alone. That's why, yes, you pray in your closet, but we also say you pray together. There's corporate times that we pray. And the same with the Scriptures. You read the Scriptures in your closet on your own. You find Jesus, and then you share Him with others. You bring your friends in because, you know what? That's what happened with manna. Exodus 16, this is how it went down. One verse explains how manna from heaven was distributed. Verse 18 in chapter 16 of Exodus says, But when they measured it, this is the manna they collected, and they had to go out, by the way. They had to go out. It wasn't Coil in the evening fell right into the camp. Right where they were. But manna fell outside the camp. They had to go out. Again, it's a picture of you need to find some time. You need to get out from the hustle and bustle and meet with Jesus. It says, when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much, they had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. This amazing principle there in the, in the scriptures. It tells us that the people who gathered a lot, they didn't have too much. And the people who gathered too little didn't run out. How, how would that happen? It's because they brought it into the camp and they made sure everybody had. Those who got a little that day could get from those who got a lot. And there was enough to go around. And that's how it often is. You know, we have this resource called Seeing Jesus Together. And the whole, I mean, in the name is pretty much the points in the sermon. It's seeing Jesus through the scriptures and prayer, but doing it together. That once you've met with the Lord, with your journal, you share what the Lord has given you. You share your manner. Because there are days when I read and I'm like, oh, that was a skimpy collection. And then my boys text me. Hey, they found this. God said, and it's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, my wife also does seeing Jesus together with a, a group of girls, and sometimes she breaks the rules and she shares what she gets with me. And I'm like, man, I'll take that too because that's, that's good stuff. I hopefully sometimes what I share with you is, is helpful as well. There are days too when you miss reading the Scriptures. There are times when you miss a meal. You're so busy, you're like, oh my goodness, it's 4 o'clock, I didn't eat lunch. It's okay. There's no judgment on there. Because again, you have Jesus' Bible reading record. That's what happens when Jesus took your sin upon, the, you, uh, upon him on the cross. He then said, I could give you my righteousness. He could give you his righteousness. So his perfect Bible reading record. He rocked it at 12. He rocked it at 33 on the cross, quoting the scriptures. He, did, he nailed it. That's your record. That's okay. There are days when you're not going to read. But if you're in a community where we share the manner, where we share the word of God with one another, The times you skip a meal where it's busy, you had to rush out the house, you couldn't read, you get fed by his word as well because others gathered a bit more and they were willing to share it. That's why I love this tool. This is a real discipleship tool for us. And one of the ways I want to respond, this is, I'm done. I want us to respond to the sermon very practically is an invitation to get into the seeing Jesus together discipline with us. At this stage, I think it's about 25, almost 30 city gators are currently going through this. Not everyone has been assigned a group yet because some of the groups need to swell a bit more before we can make them a cohort. So this is an invitation. I've got, I think, maybe 10 at the back there, like 20 bucks each. And uh, there's some training on our website. If you go to citygates.ca forward slash SJT or you just follow the menu, you'll get there. It'll coach you on how to use this. There's instructions in the front but you need to write your name down there so I know that you've got one so I could put you in a cohort with others who are doing the same. But friends, this will help you. If you think, I don't know where to start, I don't know what to do, start with a she- Seeing Jesus Together journal. Okay? That's, that's a very practical way that you can get involved. Pick one up at the back or otherwise check it out online and then you can just fill in the form and say, I want one and we'll make sure we get one into your hands. The second thing I want to encourage you is to use the Dwell app. As a church, we subscribe to an app called Dwell. If you go to citygates.ca forward slash dwell, it tells you what to do, or otherwise it forwards you to the Dwell site, and you can sign up for free as a City Gator, all right? So we know who's in the church. Every now and then someone signs up. I'm like, I don't know who you are, and we boot them out because we keep the space open for you as a member of our community. It reads the Scriptures to you. It's brilliant. So, there are times when you, you know, you, you, you're not able to open it up. I mean, I'm a huge fan of opening up an old school Bible. Okay? I'm a huge fan. You can look at my, 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 my Bible. I, I write in the, I've got big margins on the side. I still think this is first prize. But if you want to take a little step, a small little baby step, very simple step, use the Dwell app. It will read the scriptures to you. Yeah, there we go. The Seeing Jesus Together app has the same functionality. It will read that day's verse to you. And then lastly is our church fast that's coming up. Last week we talked about a practical way that we could get into praying again. And this is the Holy Week, the week leading up to us celebrating the death and the resurrection of Jesus on Friday and Sunday. And the encouragement was that you give something up so that you could replace that with prayer, and reading of the scriptures. And so I said last week, and I still believe it, I think giving up social media or media in general is often a bigger sacrifice than giving up food because we spend more time on that than we do eating. But it's okay if you want to give up food and not social media, as long as you substitute those meal times with praying and reading the scriptures. Now, we are going to give you four things that you can ponder on and chew on, I'm going to try my very best to have it all out by tonight so that if you do fast social media, that you're not dependent on having to go to our website or go to our social media channel to to get the information. But we'll just think about the things that led up. We, we talked about the, um, triumphant en- en- the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. That's today. You know, we'll, we'll look at what Jesus said around the Passover meal when he was praying in agony in the garden. Everything that leads up to Friday where we look at and celebrate uh, his, his, his death on the cross for us. So there's stuff for you to put in your mouth and swirl around and pray through and, and, and put yourself up against, you know, as we think about Peter denying Jesus and we think about ourselves, you know, are there times when I deny the Lord, you know? So, so we'll give you the verses, we'll give you things to pray and to say and to think about. But use this week to maybe kickstart your scripture reading if it's a little behind. Use, this is a great week and, and what better way than by saying I'm not going to eat, I'm going to read, or I'm not going to scroll, I'm going to read, or I'm not going to Netflix, or so I'm not going to Disney Plus, so I'm going to go to the Scriptures. Use this week to, like, jumpstart your disciplines in that sense. Is that okay? So seeing Jesus together, dwell app, church fast. Those are three very tangible, easy next steps you can take to actually find ourselves dwelling upon God's Word richly and, and and storing it up in our hearts, right? Is that okay? Let's stand, city gates. I want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know that there are countries where this book is illegal. And so we don't want to take that for granted, that we've got access to what is still Statistically, the best seller on the planet. We know they take it off the best seller list because it would be the same number one spot year in and year out. And so we have best sellers on our shelves. We have best sellers next to our bed, on our bedside tables. We have best sellers on our phones. And what is the point of a best seller if we don't read it? And would you help us, Lord? Would you give us, number one, just an appetite? If your word is food, Lord, make us hungry. Help us to see that we have been eating and drinking from things that would not satisfy us, would not give us life. And help us not just to feed on your word, but to find you, Jesus, in the word. Would you teach us to run to you, to to discover you in the scriptures? And in doing so, Lord, would you transform our community, that we would be people that have had God do surgery on us, that have planted his seed in us and we bear fruit as a result of prioritizing the scriptures in our lives. And let us not be stingy. Let us share it with our friends and family members. What you share with us in secret, Lord, may we declare it off of the rooftops as your word says. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.